I'm sure you guys have noticed over the last several years in our culture, in society, a growing trend that's developing. And there's probably a bunch of different names for it, but I most often hear it referred to as this minimalist approach to living. And, and there's a lot of different ways that you can see it expressed, but one of the ways that intrigues me is this whole thing of tiny houses, right? And like, here's a picture of one, and I, I've seen a bunch of different kinds, and some people even like convert vans and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, that's a tiny, tiny house. I guess the idea is, what's the least amount of space we need to live? What's the smallest amount of room we need to get by? I mean, that's a tiny house. You really got to love people to, to want to live in a space like that. And for some people, this is just a fad, right? I mean, and they'll move on to the next thing. But for other people, they take it real seriously. I mean, it's an environmental thing. They're, they want to minimize their footprint on the environment. And I think that's all good and everything. Other people kind of see it as downsizing intentionally so they have more freedom. So that they can do other things with money, even though these kind of things aren't cheap. But I guess in the long run, they save money and they can do other things with money and other things with their time. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? But we're in week two of a series called Generous. And, and this week... What I want to do is not spend so much time talking about minimalistic living. I want to talk about this minimalist mindset, a minimalist attitude, the kind of attitude that actually kills generosity, the kind of attitude that actually keeps you from experiencing amazing opportunities that God has for you, a mindset, a minimalist mindset and attitude. The kind of attitude that is focused on the least I can do. The least I can do. Now, I don't mean, I don't mean the kind of phrase that we often say when we're actually trying to be generous to someone. Like someone does something nice for you and you say, oh, you shouldn't have. And, and they say, oh, no, 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 no. It's the least I can do. Because when someone says it like that, they're actually wanting to be more generous, they're hoping to be more generous, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm referring to is literally the intention to do the least you can possibly do and still get by and be good in life. The least you can do and still get by and be good in relationships with other people. Or the least I can do and still get by and be good even with God. I mean, what happens when we live like this? I, I, think, I think very few of us are aware of how much of this least I can do mentality resides in our own motives deep down. And, and you really don't have to go very deep for a lot of us because many of us have already adopted this attitude kind of openly when it comes to things we don't want to do, things we don't like. Like work, you know, what's, what's the least I can work and still be okay? Or debt, you know, this is a big one. What's the least payment I can make on my car before you come and repo it, right? What's the least payment I can make on my house and you not come foreclose on it? So, so we, we already have this in our lives, but I think we would be surprised how far it goes. I mean, what happens if you bring this minimalist mindset, this attitude of the least I can do to the most important things in life. What happens then? 
Like with marriage. I mean, it's not going to go very well. I mean, what's the least I can do and my husband not leave me? What's the least I can do as a husband and my wife not ride my case all the stinking time? It would make for a bad marriage. It would make for bad parenting too. Imagine if parents were like, what's the least we can do and still keep our kids alive? What's the least we can do and not get arrested for being deadbeat parents? It's not good. It wouldn't work on your job. What's the least I can do in my job description and still get all the boxes checked and not get fired? It's not going to go very well. It's not going to go very well if you take that approach to hygiene either. You know, what's the least amount of personal grooming I can do and not be repulsive? Even though, you know, I think I've met some people in, in this world that have tried that. But you may not be aware that a lot of times we bring this least I can do mentality to God. In fact, we might be surprised that this is in us more than we know or more than we want to admit. But one thing is for certain, God is aware of it and God knows. The least I can do, like, really, really? I don't know. Oh, yeah, think about it, think about it. It goes like this. What's the least I can do and keep God happy with me? What's the least I can serve and God not be disappointed in me? What's the least I can give financially there at the church? What's the least I can give and, and God still bless me, right? What's the least I can do or serve or give and not feel guilty? What's the least I can do and not look bad? Or what's the least I can do and still be considered a good Christian? I hear this come out a lot of times with people, and it's subversive, right? It, it's kind of sneaky the way they ask, and it, but it always shows up when, almost always shows up when people are overly concerned with what the Bible says, what the Bible says, and, 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 and it goes like this. Well, I don't know what the Bible says about that. What's the Bible say about giving? What's the Bible say about serving? What's the Bible say about, you know, this or that? And it's not all the time and every time, but more than we want to admit, what really is going on behind the scenes is they want to know where the bottom line is. They want to know where the line is, right? That I got to at least get to this. What's the Bible say about that? What's the command? What's the requirement? Very few people ask the question, what does the Bible say about that? Because they're hoping to do more. Because they're hoping to go above and beyond. Most of us ask that question because we want to know where the line is. And God still be happy with us. And us still be a good Christian. And at the same time, what's odd is that these are the same kinds of people. We are the same kinds of people when we are living by this least I can do mindset in regards to God. At the same time, we say, oh yeah, I love God. I love God with all my heart. God is the most important thing in my life. Really? I don't think so. I don't think so. You see, the least I can do mindset, this minimalist attitude reveals a spiritual issue, a heart issue. And among followers of Jesus, it's viral. And it's more prevalent, maybe even in your own heart, in your own mind. And we need to wake up to it. 
Now, the things I'm going to talk about in the next few moments applies to anybody who wants to be generous. So if you're, even if you're not a Christian, the things we're talking about in this series can help you. And I invite you to try it. You'll see just how smart God is when it comes to this whole generosity thing. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is right up in our cornflakes. This is right where we live. And we need to pay attention to these things. Because this whole thing of the least I can do is the opposite. It's like the opposite of God's heart for you. And you ought to be thankful for that. The least I can do mentality is the opposite of God's heart for other people. And God's heart for the world. And we ought to be grateful. Because see, God is generous. I mean, think about it. What would happen if God took the least I can do approach to you and me? Like, like what, if, what if we just sent Jesus to the earth and Jesus just came and died and rose again and that was it? That Jesus kept to himself. He didn't, he didn't do relationships with anybody. He didn't get to know anybody. Nobody got to know him. He kind of was a recluse. He kind of, you know, hung out in the, in, in the cave somewhere and just came out. He was crucified. He was buried and he rose again. He went back to heaven and that was it. And he didn't teach anybody anything and he didn't do any miracles. I don't think it would have gone very well. Because you and I would be going, well, what was that death, burial, and resurrection all about? We didn't know him. He didn't know people. We didn't know what he was about. We don't know what he believed. We don't know what he wanted us to know. There was no teaching. You see, I'm so thankful that God does not take with us a minimalistic mindset, this minimalist attitude. No, God is generous. We ought to be so thankful that this least I can do mentality doesn't reflect God's heart at all. In fact, Paul in the first century, the apostle Paul writes to a group of Christians in Ephesus and he paints this picture of God. He helps them understand that God is the kind of God that is looking for opportunities, check this out, to accomplish infinitely more. And not just more, infinitely more than anything we ask or think. Anything you might ask or think, God is so generous, he's looking for opportunities to do infinitely more. That's the kind of God he is. I'm just telling you, Jesus set the standard for this. Because Jesus was God in flesh and bone, he set the standard for generosity when he was on the planet. We talked about this in our series over the summertime. We were talking about miracles, one of Jesus' most famous miracles. In fact, probably, arguably, the, the most well-known is the feeding of the 5,000, where, where he took five pieces of bread and two fish, and he fed 5,000 men, plus the women and children that were there, plus their wives and children, probably twelve to 15,000 people that day, and he took this five pieces of bread and two fish and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and they just kept distributing it and it kept multiplying and they kept giving it out until everybody had everything they wanted to eat. Everybody got full. Everybody had plenty. And check this out. This is a little known part of the story. Well, we don't focus much on this, but I think this is significant. Just kind of lets us know what kind of God God is. There were 12 baskets full left over. I mean, fed thousands and thousands of people and there's 12 big baskets of stuff left over. And some people might look at that and go, well, that's a little excessive. 
that a little wasteful of Jesus? Right? I'm sure there's some hungry people in the world that could have used that. Like, we're not sure what they did with the 12 baskets. We're not sure if he gave one basket to all of the 12 disciples. Hey, thanks for your hard work today, guys. Take, take one of these baskets home, you know. Like, you got a to-go basket. I don't know. Some people speculate maybe he sent the 12 baskets with the, with the young boy that, that gave him the five loaves and the two fish. That would have been really cool, right? I mean, mom sends him to the market to get five loaves and two fish. He comes back with 12 baskets. I don't know. But it just kind of lets us know that Jesus didn't do anything minimum. Jesus was generous. And then one of Jesus' most defining characteristics is how he served generously. How he served generously. He served generously all the way to the point of giving his life. Dying on a cross for the sin of the world, including your sin and my sin. That's how far he took serving. Not just a little bit, but a lot of bit. All the way to the point of death. And then, catch this. We're taught very clearly as followers of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, what I'm getting ready to say is one of the huge characteristics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is on me and you. We are taught so clearly in the New Testament to follow the example of Jesus and to love like he loved, which means to serve like he served. Christians have been given an example to follow. And so when we see Jesus serving generously, all the way even to the point of death. And nobody's asked you to die, and nobody's asked me to die physically, but yet we are called to serve with the same mindset, generous mindset that Jesus had. In fact, that's what Paul says to another group of Christians in the first century in the city of Philippi. Paul writes this, makes it very clear. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The same attitude, his attitude was not a minimalist attitude. It was a generous attitude. It was an attitude of generosity. Nothing in Jesus was, what is the least I can do? So generosity, following the example of Jesus, is to be a defining mark for Christians. It should be one of these things that's expected of Christians, should never be a surprise. It should never be a surprise to us when we see a follower of Jesus live generously. We should all just go, well, that makes sense. They're a follower of Jesus. I wonder if people looked at our lives, engaged the level of generosity and go, well, it makes sense that they're generous because they're a follower of Jesus. Or do they look at us and go, I thought they were a follower of Jesus. They're so stingy. They're so miserly. We're talking about going above and beyond. Not this least I can do, but going above and beyond because that's who Jesus is and that's who Jesus called us and asked us to be. When it comes to this whole thing of generosity, living to do the least you can do and living to just get by will never help you go beyond where you are right now. If you want to go beyond where you are right now, then getting by and doing the least you can do, finding that bottom line, what's the minimum requirement to keep God happy with me so that I don't look bad, so that I can be a good Christian, so I can check the box, it will never get you there. Or let me put it to you a different way. 
When I do the least I can do, I miss out on the most. When we do the least we can do, we miss out on the most. And I think you know this already. Think about it. Let's go back to marriage. If and when we take the least I can do approach to marriage, you miss out on the most that marriage has to offer. If you want to get the most out of marriage, you don't do the least. Be generous in your marriage, generous with your love, generous with your kindness, generous with your serving each other. We know the same is true in parenting. If you want to get the most out of the parenting experience, you got to bring more than the minimum to it. We know this is true in our jobs. Same, same thing, we know this. That's why I bring this up, we know this. If you want to get the most out of your job, you don't bring a least I can do mentality to it. If you want the most out of your job, you bring a generous approach, a generous energy, a generous attitude, and then you experience the most. But when I do the least, I will miss out on the most. And when it comes to God, I'll miss out on the most and you'll miss out on the most of what God has for us, of what God wants to do in our lives. We will miss out on so much with this least I can do, bare minimum, what do I do to get by to check the boxes? You will miss out on the blessings, so many blessings that God has for you. And you might be thinking, well, I'm blessed enough and I don't do all that much. Well, just wait, we'll get there, we'll get there. You're gonna miss out on blessings that God wants to send your way, that you forfeit with this minimalist idea and attitude. You will miss out on what God wants to do in other people's lives through you. You will miss out on opportunities to be used by God to do great good in the world with this least I can do mentality. When I do the least I can do, I miss out on the most. Now, let me, let me say this, make this very clear. Some of you, even more than some of you here at the summit, and I, I alluded to this last week, this is a generous church. And, and the reason this is a generous church is because we have generous people in this church. And some of you have been and are continuing to live a generous way of life. Not just a one-time thing, not just a one moment, not just a one event, not just a one need and done, but this is just the way you live. And you have been in the middle of some amazing opportunities and you've had some amazing experiences. So some of you get this, but most of us struggle with this least I can do mentality, which means many of us are missing out on what God wants to do. We're missing out on the most because we're holding on to the least. to yet another group of Christians in the first century, Paul, who, who wrote a lot of those letters. So we talk about Paul a lot. He wrote a lot. God used him a lot to communicate to many of the Christians and many of the churches in the first century. And so to another group of Christians in another city of Corinth, Paul was challenging the Corinthian Christians and inviting them to be generous and take up an offering and to give financially to meet a financial need in the Jerusalem church. Something was going on with the Christians in the church in Jerusalem where they had some financial needs. And Paul was like, hey, you people in Corinth, you're doing well. Take up a collection, take up an offering, and let's help the people in Jerusalem 
He was talking to them about how they should be generous and that their motive was so important and their mindset was so important, but he also wanted to help them understand what was at stake and what they would miss out on if they decided to not be generous. And so he gave them an analogy, a farming analogy, really, because it's first century and everybody there would, would understand this analogy. And I think most of us in the 21st century would have a pretty good idea of understanding what he's saying. This is what he says. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly, talking about seeds, whoever sows sparingly, just a little bit, just the least I can do to get by, will also reap sparingly. You don't put many seeds in the ground, you're not going to get much of a harvest. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So for the farmer that's like, man, I want to get a huge crop, so I'm going to throw out the seeds, man. I'm going to throw lots of seeds. I'm going to be generous with the sowing so I can be generous with the reaping. He wanted the people to understand that, that if they are generous and when they are generous, God will be generous right back to them. But the opposite is true. If they're stingy and when they're stingy, God has no reason God has no obligation to be generous in return. But if they are generous, and when they are generous, he said, this is what will happen. He goes on to say this, you will be enriched. How? In every way. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to live like that? Who wouldn't want to live a life that is enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion? You see that? Every occasion. So there's just another example. Generosity is never meant to be a one and done kind of thing. Just a one, it's a way of life. Every time, all the time, looking for ways to be generous. Why? Because we're followers of Jesus. And when we are generous like this, God will respond with generous blessings and will be generous to us in return so that we are enriched in every way. He says, what does that mean? I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. What does it mean? How will I be enriched? I don't know, but don't you want to find out? Be enriched in every way so that you can continue this cycle of being generous. And then the cycle continues over and over and over again. That's the way to live. I know some of you are probably sitting there and you're going, nah, I'm fine. I'm good. I hear you, man, but I'm, and I'm not that generous. I mean, I, I don't say I'm not like a Scrooge or anything, but... I mean, there's a lot more people out there that are more generous than me, but I'm good. I'm good. I could, I could do more. I could serve. I could give. I, I should. I know I should follow Jesus' example more on this, but I'm good. I'm good right where I am. I'm blessed enough. Really? I would say you don't know what you're missing out on. Let, let me show you what I mean. Last week I told you a story about our youngest daughter, Maggie, having such a generous heart when she was... Um, when she was growing up, I mean, she's still that way, but it just really came out when she was like four and five years old and how she wanted to give her toys away to everybody, and we kind of helped her make that possible. And I, and I talked about the joyful, generous heart that Maggie had. And if you missed that adorable story, go back and catch, catch up online or the app on what you missed last week. But there was one area that Maggie, when she was four or five in that same period of time, really struggled with being generous with. And she would she'd give you your toys, you know, she'd give you so much, give you clothes, give you the shirt off her back. But when it comes to food, not so much. The little stingy center part of Maggie, the side she got from her mama's side of the family. 
Yeah, she was a little stingy when it came to food. One day, we were at some event, and I'm not quite sure uh, what the event was. I I can remember we were sitting in bleachers, and I went to concession stand, and I bought Maggie a pack of M&Ms. Brought it back to her because, you know, hey, it's just fun. It's family day kind of thing. And so she chowing down on the M&Ms. And I looked down. She's making the M&Ms look kind of good. So I was like, hey, Maggie, can Daddy have a couple M&Ms? And she looked at me like, you got to be kidding me. These are my M&Ms. I ain't giving you my M&Ms. And she didn't want to give me a couple M&Ms. Can you believe that? The generous little Maggie. Oh, not when it comes to food, especially the candy or the M&Ms. Absurd. Let me tell you what's fascinating about that. She had no idea the concept of what was going on right there in that moment. First of all, she wouldn't even have any dang M&Ms if it weren't for dad buying her the M&Ms. She wouldn't even have any if I hadn't provided them for her to begin with. And here's what she really didn't clue into. I had the ability to go back to the concession stand and buy her so many M&Ms she couldn't hold them. She wouldn't be able to eat them all. She'd get so sick of M&Ms she wouldn't want any more M&Ms. I had the ability with just a few more dollars to overload her in the M&M department and overwhelm her and do so much abundantly more with the M&Ms than she could ever ask, think, dream, or imagine. You see where I'm going with this? And yet she decided to be stingy to the one, first of all, who gave her the M&Ms to begin with and who could overload her with so much more. She had no idea what she could potentially be missing out on through her short-sighted, childlike stinginess. You and I have no idea what we are missing out on when we are stingy instead of generous when it comes to the life that God has called us to live. You have no idea what God will do in response to your generosity. You have no clue what God has up his sleeve when it comes to blessing you and providing for you and being generous back to you. You have no idea what you're missing out on by adopting and living by this least I can do. What's the least I can do? What's the least I can serve? What's the least I can give financially and still get by? and be okay, you have no idea what level of okay you are forfeiting and what you're missing out on by not being generous as you've been called to be. Which means you have no idea what God will do when you are generous in the two areas we talked about last week. You know the two big areas? With money and with time, with giving and with serving. You have no idea what God will do But don't you want to know? Wouldn't you just love to find out? Isn't there just a part of you, just a small part, but there's probably a big part of you that goes, I'd love to see what God will do. And I can promise you, God is sitting on go, ready to do more for you than you can imagine. Now, it doesn't always mean money, and it doesn't always mean stuff, but God will be generous to you in return to your generosity to him through others and through his local church, just like he's called us to do and just as he's challenged us to do in following the example of Jesus. So here's the deal. 
I want to end our time by posing a question to you. Knowing that we've kind of wrestled this least I can do mentality to the ground, I get it, and, 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 and you understand it, I understand it, it's pretty simple. Yet we need to get really honest and be aware of how much of it's in our own motives and our own hearts. But I want to ask you a question. We ended last week with a question. I want, to, I want to leave you with another question. It's a very simple, simple, simple question, but it's not an easy one to answer. Here we go. How can you be most generous? Not least, like what's the bottom line? What's the least I can do in the generosity department and still be good and God still be happy and, 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 and I not you know, look bad and be a good Christian and other people not think, you know, I'm not pulling my weight and I don't want to feel guilty. No, 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 no. That's the wrong question. How can I be most generous with my money, with my time, when I am giving, when I am serving, in my relationships with other people, in my relationship with God, how can I be most generous? Not least. I want you to wrestle with that. I, I, I want you to talk about that. I challenge you to pray about that. And you may be sitting there going, well, just tell me, man. Tell me what I'm supposed to. No, no, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to define it for you. Because the very nature of generosity is very open-ended. But it's up and to the right, I'll tell you that. It's more, it's beyond, it's above, and it has nothing to do with the least, the minimalist attitude. How can you be most generous? I don't know. You may need to minimize some stuff. You may need to change some habits. You may need to reprioritize some things or rebudget some things or repurpose some things in order to be most generous. The good news is some of you have done this and you're reaping the generous benefits. Some of you are doing this and you're going to continue to reap the generous benefits, but so many, many, many more of you in this room watching online need to take the step and wrestle with how can I be most generous? What if you did? Would you? Would you consider? Will you consider what it looks like for you to step away and be, be aware and step away of the least I can do mentality? Because it's in your heart and in your motives and in my heart and in my motives more than we want to admit, more than we're comfortable saying. Are you willing to recognize it? To snuff it out and go, this is not like Jesus. This is not how God treats me. And I certainly don't need to treat others this way, much less respond to him with the least mentality. How can I be most generous? Pay attention to this because you don't want to miss out on anything that God has up his sleeve for you. You don't want to miss out on the most of what God wants to bless you with and do in your life and do in other people's lives through you and with you and all of the opportunities that God wants to bring your way to do great good in the world. You don't want to miss out on any of that. 
So don't miss out on the most by embracing the least. Let's ask God how we can be most generous following Jesus' example and then start living like that with our money and with our time. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for the challenge that you have given us, for the challenge that you have given me. Help me to be aware of the minimalist attitude and mindset, the least I can do attitude that lurks around in the corners of my thinking and in my heart. And help me to understand how off-putting that is, first of all, for a follower of Jesus and how odd that is that a follower of Jesus would think like that and be like that and live like that. And help me to reject that and embrace generous living, following Jesus' example. Help me to drop the excuses and all the reasons why I can't and all the reasons why maybe it won't work for me and may I just embrace the most that you have for me by embracing the most generous way I can live. May I not be distracted by the least. And may I, I resist. May you help me resist the pull to the least. And I pray that not just for me, but for every single one of us in this room and everybody watching online. Because I don't think any of us want to miss out on the most that you have for us. Help us to be generous as you have been to us through Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen.